podcast. Enjoyed their Super Bowl weekend break. And uh, that Super Bowl did not disappoint. This is your local New York Jets fan. My name is Eric Ramirez, coming to you live from Germantown, Maryland. Uh, don't ask me why I'm a Jets fan. It's some form of sick self-torture. But in the, uh, anyways, let's, this is not about me. Let's make it about the man with the victory lap, Lauren. Hey, guys. Lauren, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore heap 21. I'm a Washington Wizards uh, fan, D- anything DC sports related fan, kind of go all in. But yes, um, my victory lap was, is, is going to be a lot of fun later here on the podcast, but I'll pass it over to AJ. What's up? This is AJ coming to you live from Shady Grove, Maryland. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dunedin Jets. Actually, pretty much all socials uh, and Xbox Live hit me up um, if you're trying to get trounced to Halo. Uh, but uh, welcome, gentlemen. Welcome, indeed. We got some we got some sports news to go over, um, and it's actually a good mix of a little bit of everything, not just Super Bowl stuff. So we're going to kick off with that. Um, last week, we, we'll start off with some news, as I believe it was last week, was the NBA trade deadline, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and <laughs> that last day, those last few hours were quite a doozy. Uh, both AJ and Lauren kept me busy. Uh, reading trade after trade and some of them were head scratchers some of them were all right um but uh i'm gonna kick it over to both of y'all um i'll start off with you aj what what are your, what are your some initial reactions for from the nba trade of mine what did you like what didn't you like yeah obviously as a as a local uh sports fan here let's start with the wizards um the wizards made a couple of necessary moves at the trade deadline um in particular, uh, they moved Montrez Harrell down to uh, Charlotte uh, and, and got in return a second-round uh, draft pick. Uh, kind of sparse returns, but Montrez Harrell, I think as, as we've been saying on the pod for the past few weeks, um, probably needed to be moved uh, just because his contract is up at the end of the, year, at the, end of the season, um, and it's better to get some value out of him rather than just like riding him out the whole season and let him walk. Um, uh, and, you know, let's be honest, uh, you know, I hope Trez doesn't have – uh, bitter feelings towards towards Washington. Uh, you know, he sounded off on Instagram a little bit uh, and seemed to be frustrated by the move. But um, but in any case, it's all love to me for for Trez. He was a great competitor. Uh, brought a lot of energy and and um, a fierceness to hit to the to the game here in DC. So uh, I will miss seeing him play here. Uh, but I wish him the best of luck. Uh, but the big big move uh, for the Washington Wizards was um, oh I think we have, we also we also got. Um, we got Ish Smith back, so there, that's a thing again. Uh, love to see Ish, Ish Smith play. He's a small guard. Uh, he's quick, uh, agile, um, and he can be crafty. Sometimes he he puts on a really virtuosic performance, and other times he really stinks. Uh, let's hope he hits more val- uh, peaks and valleys uh, this time in his in this particular stint here in DC. Um, and we also got a, a prospect from Charlotte, um, a center. Um, I think he's been in the league one or two years. He's a rook, so we'll see what he's got, um, and hopefully he's able to. Um, um, you know, turn out to be a valuable piece of the team, part of the team going forward. Um, the big move that Washington made uh, that uh, was just astounding, another piece of GM wizardry from uh, Tommy Shepard, uh, our GM, moving two of the worst contracts we had on the team uh, over to, to the Dallas Mavericks. Um, we moved Davis Bertans, who has not been able, he couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat since he signed his uh, extension with the Wizards. Um, just a, a dismal 20% shooting season right now uh, when we signed him to hit threes back when he was shooting 40%. Um, I think his contract was like three or four years worth like $80 million. Uh, and that's gone. 
along with Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer, uh, you know, we, we had high hopes for him coming into the season. Obviously, we signed him uh, for a, a couple of years or three years. Um, and we were expecting him to, to you know, be a score first point guard. Uh, just never really gelled. Couldn't gel with Beal. Couldn't gel with um, just seemed to seem to present problems in the locker room. Um, or at least that's what the that's what the the tea leaves sort of indicate. Um, and uh, uh, somehow Tyne Shepard convinced Mark Cuban to to pick up both those both those players with, um, you know, high let's let's face it, expensive contracts in exchange for Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, known as the unicorn uh, because he's he's sort he's sort of one of a kind as a uh, as a basketball player, uh, seven foot three can shoot consistently from three, um, and if he can stay healthy, he really changes uh, dynamics. Uh, you know, changes the dynamic on the court entirely. Um, that's going to be the big question. He's come. He's still uh, injured with a knee injury right now. Uh, he's expected. He's game. He's day to day. The Wizards are going to we're going to try and play him um, before the All Star break. But at this point, at, at the time of the recording. Uh, it's only two games till the till the All Star break, so I would expect him to sit until after that All Star break. Um, but I don't want to hog the mic for too long. Um, uh, that was a piece of wizardry, uh, Lauren. Do you have any thoughts on the Wizards uh, on the Wizards before the trade deadline? Yeah, so um, we knew they needed to make moves. There was a, the the smoke coming out. The smoke uh, coming out of the locker room was that there was problems. Um, people, players were playing selfishly, playing for their own contracts, kind of things like that. Um, to be fair about Davis's contract, he was gonna he was gonna garner that money at that time um, in free when he hit free agency from a team anyway. So us paying him, he just the reason it became a bad contract is because he just wasn't playing well. Um, and then so the same thing with um, Spencer Dinwiddie, he was probably gonna get something along those lines from a team. So we made the move, but um, what we really did is we flipped two bad contracts that equal about forty million, forty three million for Chris for Persingas who is forty who is about forty million, and we added an asset. Um, the big thing. And I'm back up a little bit. Most people don't know this, but in NBA, there in the NBA for trades, the NBA draft is only uh, two rounds, right? So usually your first round is like your stud. Um, your second round pick, you can find a diamond in the rough, but it's very, very rare. And also in the NBA, it's very different than the NFL. They don't pay you in the NFL. They pay you for what you can contribute right now. In the NBA, they pay you for what Motric you could do in the next four to five years and how we can develop you. Um, so what Tommy was able to do in this trade was not only ship off those two um, two two contracts with Spencer Dinwiddie, who was may have been the problem in the locker room, um, based on some quotes that have come out recently. I'll read here in a minute. Um, and Davis Bertans off, and in return get uh, get a young get a uh, a young guy who's who's he's injury prone. Kristaps is injury prone. Um, he definitely is. Uh, he's never played a full eighty two game season. I think the most he's played is close to sixty. Um, so, but his production when he's on the court is unmatched. Um, and he'll fit well in this offense. Uh, and we were also to get a second round pick back from him as well. So the other key thing is when we also, uh, when we get these second round picks, they're used that you can package them in trades for players and for other things. So the second round picks that you kind of find a diamond in the rough in, you kind of use to move around. Um, getting Ish Smith back, I think was key. For some reason, Tommy likes short point guards. Um, for whatever reason, we have like the shortest point guard all the, of, in the NBA. But what Ish does differently to me is he he flows better in the offense than Spencer was. There, Spencer did. Uh, it's the way he looked last night, anyway. But like AJ said, he's hot and cold. Sometimes he takes shots, and you're like, Ish, I really don't want you doing that because <laughs> since he's so short, his jumper's a little weird. So like, he's got to put like all of his body into his jumpers. So like, when he's far from the basket, like shooting a three or like a mid range, you're just like, he looks like in second Lord, grade shooting from the free throw line. Yeah, exactly. Oh, he looks like a midget. Like, just imagine a midget shooting a basketball like at a hoop. That's what he looks like Damn. compared to those dudes. 
What do we got? We got a wish version of Monkey Bones. <laughs> yeah, yeah basically, exactly. Basically, yeah. Damn. So yeah, it looks like here that um, Dallas, yeah. So da- we got Kristaps Porzingis, and we got a second round pick from Dallas. So like the second round pick could turn into be turn into something big. We also shipped off Aaron Holiday to Phoenix for something, I guess, to, like a bag of chips later. Dorito um, dust. So the big thing with the Montrez, huh? Dorito dust. Dorito dust. There yeah, we go. That's, that's... Oh, everybody always needs good Dorito dust. <laughs> the big thing about getting Montrez Harrell's uh, contract off our books was we needed something for him in return. Don't let him walk because his contract was up at the end of this year, so he was going to go get free agent money. So we got a we got a young player, Vernon uh, Carey. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Mm-hmm. And Ish Smith back. Ish Smith will help us now. Vernon is a trade asset, or is going to be. We can hopefully transform into something else, and or build him and groom him into a player we can use, and you, eventually you can start at some point. But Really what we did is we got rid of people we needed to, and Tommy Shepard somehow got another all-star on our team. Trading John Wall for Russell Westbrook was huge, and then look at the return and the players he got for that. So let's say we only keep Przingis for another year. Maybe he flips for another core of players, or maybe gets something else in return. So I've never – it's been – I think John was probably the first all-star I can remember that was homegrown other than maybe – yeah, homegrown. Gilbert, we, we we got Gilbert in free agency or traded for him, one of the two. but. It's been a long time since I've seen stars consistently in it play for the Wizards, like a big name, like Russell Westbrook or Kristaps Porzingis. You know, Brad kind of came up here, but it's it's refreshing to see these things, and it's refreshing to see a GM that's willing to make these moves and kind of push these push their chips in, right? And so we'll see what we'll see what he does. Hopefully, um, Porzingis plays well and and comes back to the NBA soon. But yeah, I kind of feel like that's that's probably about it. Yeah, and we got I, uh... rid of those contracts, so. I just want to add something you hinted at, Lauren. Uh, I saw Tommy Shepard getting some hatred, and a little bit of hate, uh, even despite his wizardry. Oh, yeah. Uh, because you know, people. I saw some 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 journalists. Uh, I see what you did there, AJ. <laughs> <laughs> uh, saw some journalists uh, talking about how you know, oh man, Tommy Shepard's really good at offloading bad contracts, but also he signed those guys. Uh, and it's like, bro, everyone thought Davis Bertans was going to be a beast because he played like a beast in the, in the year his contract was up. He was looking for an extension. Exactly. He played really, really well. He was shooting over 40% from three. Uh, of course, you're going to yep. sign a guy like that uh, for another couple of years. And, and you know, you're going to pay him because you won't, why wouldn't you want to keep that? Now, he just completely fell off the rails the next two seasons. And that's not something you can really predict in the NBA. That's I'm sorry. It's just not. Right. And then, uh, you know, we all thought Spencer, everyone was excited to have Spencer come to town. I didn't see any of you guys complaining back when uh, back when we signed him. You guys were like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. When we signed Spencer, all the entire opinion of the media class in DC, sports media class in D.C. was, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. Well, that's a great move. Tommy Shepard's wonderful. And then now you're going to be all bitter because the player because the player, you know, fell off. That's not how that's not how things work. You don't you can't foresee that. You just go up based off of what you what, what that player's production has been in the past. And you assume it's going to continue. And, you know, unless there's good reason to not assume that it's going to continue, that's a sensible position to take. Uh, so yeah, so shout out to Tommy Shepard, bro. You are amazing at that job. I hope you keep it for a long time. And Ted Leones, this isn't a moron and fires you. Uh, the, that's the other, funny thing. About, oh, sorry, go I was ahead, gonna Lord. say though, that, yeah, that's the thing. Is just like, um, Ernie Grunfeld, Eric, you may not know this. Ernie Grunfeld pretty much tried to take us strapped, strapped, um, uh, cinder blocks uh, to our our ankles and threw us into the ocean and told us to swim after he left our franchise. Facts. And that's what kind of position that's what kind of position Tommy was in. Tommy had to sw- try to swim get to get to the shore get to the service with a cinder block strapped to his ankles. So he uh, he managed to pull that off. And like AJ said that the, at the time those guys got that got that money. 
And in the NBA, you pay for what I think you can do in the future. So you're thinking Bertans is going to keep hit shooting at that clip, and he didn't. And then so, yeah. What were you about to say, Eric? I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, no, it's fine. It's just it seems interesting to me because, like, for what you and AJ are alluding to for, you know, Shepard signing these contracts in anticipation of what his return would be in the future on it, it's like it's it's almost like – I mean, it's basically the same as you would do in NFL, right? Like you, you've watched the kid perform on his rookie contract for like three years, four years, and you think ah, he's probably going to be playing this good, if not better. I'm going to sign him for another mm-hmm. four. So, like, it's always easy for people to complain when it's hindsight, right? Like for situations like that. Uh, but Shepard, I mean, from what I've seen and all the talks that you guys have, have uh, as we've had, like outside of the podcast and everything. Um, like you said, AJ, he's Shepard sounds like a wizard um, in that front office. He's been running football, like basketball operations, even when um, even before Sashi Brown left, who was like an executive position below him, um, he was still running everything. So um, I was hyped to see Porzingis back. I know he's injured, but I mean, it should should still be fun to have him him back in town. Um, now, what did you guys think of? Uh, any other trades that happened outside of the uh, out of the Wizards? I know there was one. Uh, Lauren, one particular. Lauren, you want to you want to take huh? this one, Lauren? The uh, yeah. whole uh, the the big one, the big the yeah, big the, elephant the big in the room. One. The uh, yeah, the, the, back, the one the one that you guys were not talking really. The Dell yeah, James Harden Ben Simmons the hell out of him or whatever. Huh? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Let's talk about that one. Yeah, so we all knew that one was coming. Um, it was kind of interesting. I I mean, you know, the strippers in uh. Philadelphia got to be real happy because James Harden frequents the nightclub a lot. But yeah, it was. Uh, hey, AI's you know, hype. He's got a. He's got a win now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, you knew it was coming. The uh, Ben, you know, Ben made it clear, put his foot down that he's not playing for them anymore. And James was able to wiggle his way out of getting um, playing or playing with the uh, the Nets. And you know, I guess I game out today. I guess that he would. The coaches would draw up plays. James, I guess, wanted more ISO ball. Just him with the ball in his hands and they would the offense they wanted the ball to move more in their offense so when they would call the plays for like kevin or something he'd like roll his eyes in the huddle and like sigh and like get upset i, I saw a highlight today of a recent game where a ball was rolling into the backcourt and just, someone like poked the ball free and james had to like go chase it down so he runs for it and then stops running and then this other other guy like stops running with it like it's still the ball still got like five more feet five five to ten more feet to go stands up walks the other guy runs over picks it up and goes and scores real quick on a fast break so like he just didn't he just didn't want to be there and uh why why force a player to be there when you can make a trade for Ben it'll be interesting to see how Ben fits in with them um, what kind of shape Ben's in um you know he said he's been working on his jumper Lord help that kid you talk about can't hit a can't hit a water if you what is it what'd you say is it what you can't phrase? hit water if you fell out of a boat yeah, talk about K water fall off a boat. That man can't hit anything. Uh, so uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. James and Philly's gonna be fun, I think. Um, Kendrick Perkins, I think, alluded to it earlier that it might be something similar, not the same, but a similar to like the Shaq and Kobe kind of dynamic. And we'll see what James does. You know, you have that dominant Joel Embiid's one of the most dominant big men I've ever seen play the game. Someone that big and someone that fa- someone that big and that strong shouldn't move the way he does. His jumpers, how light he is on his feet. So. It'll be interesting to see their one-two punch in combination. But AJ, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't didn't exactly come as a huge shock. You were you were wondering when it was going to get done, and as as the time was ticking down, 
you, you're sort of like, are they going to do it? Is is he going to do it? Like, is Ben going to just sit there in Philly for the rest of the year? Like, what's happening here? Uh, and, uh, you know, finally, finally, the news broke. I think it was like an hour, hour and a half, maybe before the deadline was was officially up. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, and let, you know, it's not just Ben for Ben for Harden, right? Uh, Philly is Philly gets Harden, but they, they had to send uh, Seth Curry um, to who's a who's a great catch and shoot three point shooter um, up to up to the Nets in exchange for Harden. I think they, I think there was one other player. I can't remember which one it was. Um, but then so so yeah, they, Philly, Philly had to give up a lot of uh, pieces and, and some picks actually um, in order to get Harden. But it, this move catapults them into uh, automatic, practically automatic uh, uh, championship contention um, talks. They're they're gonna they're definitely gonna in position to make a deep playoff run here, um, and they've only improved themselves by removing themselves from a negative asset in Ben Simmons. Uh, you know, just because he you know refused to play. Uh, and removed himself. I'd say he's like Achilles, but the fact of the matter is his inability to shoot. Uh, I mean, let's be honest. The man throws up enough bricks to protect himself from the big bad wolf. Uh, it's given that fact, like he's, he was completely waste there in, in Philly. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm interested to see if, uh, you know, what kind of a, what kind of a career he can put together here, here for the Nets. Um, We'll see. He's kind of a question mark to me. I don't know. I don't know where he's at. His head. His head. You got to imagine none of this is good for his head, um, or you know his mental, the mental aspect of this stuff. Um, you know, and and especially after he behaves sort of like a diva uh, in Philly. You know, you wonder. You know, is this man in a space in a headspace where he can go out there and perform day in and day out? We're gonna find out. It'll be it'll be interesting um, because I think if he can if he can perform for the Nets, uh, him and KD. Um, uh, you know, and half the time when Kyrie's playing, I think they could, that's, that's a really formidable uh, combination of folks. Yeah. The thing with Ben is you don't want the ball in his hands, really. I mean, like he can, he can drive to the hoop, right. But like you want him shooting and you want him, you want him um, kind of, yeah, I'm interested to see how they move him. Right. Cause he was, well, I'm pretty sure they had him as a point guard in fitness with the 76ers. And so Considering the fact he, uh, like AJ said, he couldn't hit uh, water if he fell out of a boat. But the, the um, with KD kind of taking that that stress and Kyrie kind of taking that stress off of him, um, I think that'll. And I think when playoff time comes, they'll probably just start paying Kyrie's fines or whatever, so he plays in all the games. Um, yeah, I mean the, the thing the thing but, about Ben Simmons is when he was with the 76ers, they ran their offense through him. Like he was the point guard, he was the facilitator. Um, and you know, within in Brooklyn, that's not going to be the case. Uh, it's just right. not. Um, maybe, I guess maybe if Kyrie's sitting, then maybe he could, he could run point with KD. Um, I, yeah, I think it'll help them a lot. I think what, now what he can do is you can just, so Ben is Ben on the defensive end to his credit is, is a stellar defender. So now what you can do is you can go say, Hey Ben, since we're not going to run the offense for you, go guard their best player, go guard their best wing, mm-hmm. go guard their best guard, lock him down. And we'll just get, we'll cut, go and then go stand on the, uh, the, the perimeter and cut to the basket and we'll feed you the ball, you know? kind of on your way and kind of take him out of the response of the, the role of running the offense and going back and playing defense on the best player. So it'll be interesting. He'll, he'll have the um, all-star break to get in shape and the all-star break to kind of get the, the ball rolling. And he'll be, um, I think he'll, he'll probably start playing after the all-star break here. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to start this off with you, AJ. Who do you think won that trade Nets or the 76ers? I mean, they both, they really both won. Both, both, both teams needed to make this move uh, in the, on the first place, in the first place, um, you know, Harden, 
just he, it was clear that he had had it. Uh, and this is like not the first time he's ever done this in, in his career. Uh, so, uh, he pulled the fat suit out and he was yeah like, yeah exactly somebody somebody on Twitter uh, there was a leak from his camp that said like he really wanted to get traded to Philly but he wasn't sure if uh, anyone would give a Hall of Fame speech for him uh, because you know no, nobody likes him after this because he's such a bad teammate um, and he's forcing his way out of like sweetheart situations I mean imagine forcing your way out of Houston when you have Russell Westbrook right next to you or like forcing your way out of Brooklyn when you have arguably one of the greatest scorers of all time uh, with Kevin Durant sitting right next to you and like oh, the complete like an utter uh, virtuosity of Kyrie Irving just like being able to score whenever and however he wants and you you're like I I have to remove myself from the situation because I'm not happy it's like bro I don't know what I don't know what else you want uh, <laughs> you know uh, so like I, I mean so so the Nets need to get rid of him he was he was toxic to that organization in my opinion um, you know not to which doesn't you know. I'm not, I don't want to disparage his character at all. That's not what I'm intending to do. But what I'm saying, like, it wasn't a good fit. It didn't work out. Uh, and due to injuries, the, the terrible, uh, fearsome trio of Harden, Kyrie, and KD only uh, were only to, only other, ever played to all three of them together in 16 games. Uh, and they were there for, yeah. for a, like, a year and a half. Um, so that's just – it's unfortunate for basketball, honestly. Like, I kind of wanted to see how good they would have been if they were all playing it and healthy at once. But – uh, unfortunately, the basketball gods uh, did not grant us that boon. Um, and then, uh, on the other hand, the, they, they knew it would be too much. Yeah, exactly. They they couldn't allow something like that to to happen. Um, and I was going to say, on the other hand, uh, Philly. You asked about who won the trade. Philly. Uh, you know, they had a dead asset that's worth like I don't know how much Ben Simmons' contract was, but it's not cheap. Uh, forty million. I yeah, think. exactly. It's around forty million. And he was he was just sitting there. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, so. He's not producing. He's not doing anything except for, you know, he's, he was toxic when he did show up to practice and all that kind of stuff. He's a huge distraction. Um, they needed to get rid of him. Like they needed to get rid of him. Like, like he was a sore, uh, like he was a thorn in their side. Like, like he was a splinter in their thumb. Um, he needed to be removed. And, uh, you know, nobody wanted to take him uh, because, uh, because Philly knew how uh, valuable Daniel uh, Morey, the, the GM there in Philly knew how valuable um, uh, Ben Simmons was. Uh, but uh, no team wanted to take him because it just, it, well, one, it's funny to watch Ben Simmons just sit there and sulk uh, <laughs> and not, not be used and have Philly in this awkward situation. But also, too, uh, you know, you're not sure that you want to give up, um, you know, the major pieces in your organization for, for an asset that may or may not, uh, you know, work out in terms of, you know, his ability to concentrate, his, abil- his ability to, to be on the floor without causing problems and stuff, um, you know. So it wasn't worth it for a whole lot of teams right up until the trade deadline when it became clear that Harden was in his, you know, in the place that Harden was with respect to, you know, whether he wanted to stay there or not. So I think uh, I think both teams really, really won in this trade. That's why it happened. I mean, it was it was really like both teams really needed this. Um, and the Nets squeezed uh, Seth, Seth Curry and, uh, you know, out of out of and to and a couple of picks out of Philly for it. So uh, Philly's going for it they're, they're They've got the L.A. Rams strategy on this one. Um, maybe it works out. We'll see. What do you think, Lauren? We'll see. Yeah, I think yeah, the, so who do you think won this? Yeah, I think the Nets definitely won the trade. Um, and the reason is just because of the haul they got back for uh, one player. Uh, or the, the Yeah, they got uh, Ben Simmons 
who's arguably an all-star that they they say he's got Seth Curry who's a great who's a great uh piece that can play he's another scorer right like you talk about AJ talked about he's a good three-point shooter he's another guy that can get the uh kid that can you know he's a good rotational piece great off the bench he's he was starting for the for the uh for Philly. So like you, you could definitely plug him into your lineup and start him. You got Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond's at the tail of his end of his career, but he can still give you solid, solid minutes as a big. And I don't know what the big situation is like on the nets. I think they have, um, Oh, I'm not going to say his name now. Marcus Aldridge. Um, Deandre Jordan, Deandre. Uh, what'd you say? Lamarcus Aldridge is there too. Oh, Lamarcus Aldridge and Deandre Jordan. So, you know, he'll be at a rotational piece there, but if they keep him. but what I really think the steal comes in is the two first round picks. And that's because I alluded to earlier when I was talking about how the NBA works and the and the draft works is you only you get there's only two rounds so the first round draft picks are to me are key and you can also package those first round draft picks later if they want to trade for someone else right so I think I think the uh, I think the Nets I think the Nets got a good deal here and I think the Nets are going to make a um, which is interesting because you know they'll probably they might end up playing each other in the Eastern Conference you know so then playoff time comes around and it's going to be kind of interesting to see how this all play, pans out. And especially if, hey, let's just say, um, let's just say Kyrie can't play for whatever reason. Seth Curry can, he's not, he's not Kyrie Irving, but he can fill the shoes of a point guard if need be, um, and and play well. And I think they can run it through. They can, he plays, he plays well for his position. But yeah, I think the Nets, I think the Nets won it. I I just do because those two first round picks. I mean, you got James Harden. I mean, you got rid of James Harden. You got three players back that can contribute and two first round picks, and I think that's big. So. There you go. Split decision. Split decision between the two of you. Thanks for the insight on the NBA trade light and trade deadline. Um, hopefully, you know, hopefully in the long run, not this season, because I think the Wizards season at this point is just about figuring out what we have on the roster. But hopefully with with next year in mind, the Wizards will not let us down so harshly as they did this year. Um, but we'll keep we'll we'll keep we'll keep y'all uh as always, updated on the NBA season as it progresses uh, through the All-Star break and beyond. Now, another season that seems to be kind of not not like in complete doom, but just a bleaker outlook is the Major League Baseball season as that owner's lockout is still in effect. Um, I know there was a move by the owners to try to bring someone in, like a mediary, but the players are like, nah, fam, we're not having you guys do this. Uh, AJ, you might fill in us in on some of this, some of this action. Yeah, so um, yeah, so um, I, it's been a couple weeks since we um, last recorded, so I don't want to. Hopefully, I'm not retreading old ground here, but um, the players and the MLB have been negotiating for uh, for a little while. The um, and you you all remember the NF, uh, the MLB um, owners imposed a lockout, um, so there's no baseball activity going on right now in terms of you know players aren't reporting, they're not working out with their teams. Um, pitchers and catchers should have been should have reported to work yesterday, um, and uh, and that's not happening. Um, and it's all because the owners imposed the stupid lockout. They went they tried to go nuclear just to begin with. Now they have no more room to escalate, and now they're just trying PR stunts to try and make themselves uh, have some sort of favor with the public. And pretty much nobody thinks that uh, nobody nobody is buying it. Um, no one's no one's no one's buying what they're selling right now. Uh, they tried a publicity stunt where they. Um, they requested that the players agree to bring in a federal mediator um, to to sort of help the, both sides work to a conclusion. Um, they tried this tactic with the MLB or with the with negotiations two decades ago. Uh, that time it worked out in their favor, so I guess I can understand why they might try it again. 
Uh, but this time the players are not having it. They're staying, they're staying strong. Um, and, and frankly, uh, you know, I'll say as in my experience as a, as a, you know, my time in the labor movement, uh, I know that with, um, situations where there's a longstanding relationship between, um, a union and it's, uh, their owners, like a longstanding relationship. Normally you don't call in a federal, federal mediator on like, in like the third bargaining session that just doesn't happen. <laughs> you first try and like work to get some sort of impasse. Uh, but the owners haven't done that. They have basically refused to negotiate. Uh, right before they requested that federal mediator, um, there was a meeting. There was supposed to be a meeting scheduled where the uh, owners were going to give their response to the uh, players' latest proposal. They canceled that and then and then made the mediator mediator request right after, um, which just goes to show you that they're not serious about actually negotiating. Um, and you know, also the players had made a little bit of movement on some of their proposals, trying to come down on the amount that they were requesting. Um, in terms of in terms of the money um in, in in some areas just to show good faith like hey we'll take this off the table if you'll agree to you know meet us somewhere in the middle and the owners just categorically refused and then didn't answer their the uh the player's proposal so like i said you can tell that they're not negotiating good faith um that the owners are trying to win some sort of a pr war and try and break the union um union solidarity um, in order to to you know impose frankly more greedy conditions uh, that would see them gain profits at the expense of the players. Um, as a part of this, the uh, owners are now trying to um, trying also uh, to grind the uh, minor league players into dust. Um, just to, just so uh, our listeners are aware, the minor leagues are not unionized, um, and recently there was a law passed by Congress a couple of years ago that allows. Um, the minor leaguers to be uh, considered seasonal employees and not part-time or full-time employees of, of the Major League Baseball. What that means is that they are exempt from uh, minimum wage laws. So they are they're able, they literally, uh, and I did not know this until I read a, an excellent article um, in The Athletic today. Um, the name of the article is, We Are Making Pennies. For many minor leaguers, unpaid off-seasons prove more grueling than the actual seasons. Um, I did not know this, but the minor leaguers, when they play in spring training, they're playing for free. They are not paid for spring training uh, in the minor leagues. That means for the basically for March uh, up until well, basically for February up until uh, like the last week of March, those minor league baseball players are not paid. They're they're wow. They're, that's news to me. I didn't know that. Apparently, that's the case. Um, and not only that, but the players, the my, the minor leagues, baseball does not pay the minor league players. Uh, during the during the off season, so from September to to February or March, uh, those players have to take temporary jobs. They're doing stuff like taking jobs with UPS or driving an Uber or uh, or bro, that is absurd. yeah, exactly. Uh, they're working at gyms. They're going. They're working at Walmart. They're taking minimum wage crap because what else can you get when you only when you only get to work out for or when you only get to work for you know four or five months out of the year, um, and. Uh, in addition to that, when you have to work a job, uh, you know, you can't go train. That's time that you're not spending improving at baseball. And of course, things are getting much more competitive, uh, you know, as as because you're about to be at a professional level. Uh, they really need that time to train. Um, and so, you know, the latest owners ownership proposal came back and the owners wanted to squeeze the minor leagues further. They wanted to they wanted to eliminate uh minor league players like bring the number of players down um which you know if you can't like 
and this this there's a couple of aspects of this why i'm getting so worked up about this that makes me so angry uh one is because if you care about baseball at all does it make any sense to take your minor leagues your your farm systems and and pare them down to the barest the bare bone the barest bones like of course not you want you're not going to be able to field the best players if the players don't have a forum to train themselves up and get prepared for major league baseball like that's just not going to be the case but second of all now the owners are taking the, the league's most vulnerable players and trying to shove them into the negotiations to get concessions so that they're able to make more profits on the back end of things and they're trying to throw the, the most vulnerable workers under the bus in this situation so the major league baseball is just being really outrageous they are uh, or or the, the owners are being really outrageous um and but the good news so far is that the players have start, have been standing firm um we've seen encouraging messages from uh such high po- profile players as max scherzer um and uh and i and i i really do think that the players are in a good position here and if they don't squander their bargaining position um by making they should force they should force the owners to make concessions at this point because they've overplayed their hand. I can't think of what other tactics they, they could, they could use formally at this point to try and force the players to capitulate. If I were the players, I would tell, I would, I would say, look, just don't expect to start before the beginning of the season because the owners at this point need to be taught a lesson uh, because if they're able to squeeze us it like this, you know, I just don't see any path forward from that they're going to, they're going to run, run, run rampant. You have to, you have to punish them for the way they've acted at this point. So uh, anyway, I hope, I hope that's the case. Much as I love baseball and, and Lauren knows this, there's nothing I like more than coming home from work, cracking over a nice beer, put my feet up on my, on, on a table and just watching a baseball game for like two and a half hours. But uh, you know, all power to the players, solidarity. I hope they win. I uh, hope they kick these guys asses because they, they really deserve it. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing today. What you just said about coming home, I was getting. Uh, I listened to the sports radio guys, and they have um, they have a new uh, TV color analyst guy who played in the league and played for the Nationals. Is the the new Nationals guy Kevin uh, Brandinson, and uh, he was talking about. He even said himself, he was like, "We need to stick up for those minor leaguers because he's like, what they're trying to do to them is wrong, just dead wrong." And I mean, like you heard the firmness in his voice, and it's it's. I've always kind of felt like when you hear guys like Colin color commentators or people in the media, like they kind of like try to toe the line a little bit. He was just straight up like, no, this is wrong. This is bad. They're trying to, he's like, we need to stick up for our minor leaguers. We need to make sure they get what's right for them. And so like, and make sure that, you know, Max is doing his thing. And so it's like, they know that, you know, that, that, that base, that what they're trying to do, the minor leaguers isn't right. And they need to stick up for him and all this. So it'll be interesting to see how it pan, um, pans out. But I was thinking the same thing, AJ, like I, you know, I, the weather's going to start getting warm here. I was just thinking last year, you know, I'd come home, I'd have my peanuts, I'd have my peanuts ready to go, and I'd start making dinner, eating my peanuts, listening to the game or watching the game um, and and getting ready to start the season. So, I'm, you know, I wish we had some baseball to talk about ramping up, but we'll see what they do. It'll it'll inevitably be a shortened season probably. Who knows? I, has, I, I can't remember. I, has baseball ever been locked out for a year? I think it's happened before. No, I don't it? think it's been a whole year. There have been strikes. A whole year. There, there have yeah. been strikes, but uh, usually they last. They don't last the whole season. So I just remembered a personal story that I know um, about minor leaguers and how poor and how 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 mistreated they are, how much money they don't make. And I graduated college in 2015. My first job out, I was working at a Dell call center where you sit there and you take calls. I had to get trained by other, by more experienced call, call guys who received calls. 
Um, so the guy came over to me. We started talking. He was a cool dude. All of a sudden, I noticed he had Phillies, Phillies tattooed on his forearm. And so, you know, I like sports. So I, we start we start matching it up. He goes, oh, yeah, I played uh, I played in the minors for the Phillies. And I said, what? He's like, yeah, I actually got called up to six major league games. And I said, what? And I was like, that's insane. Like, what are you, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, what are you doing here? Like, you probably, like, what happened here? He said, he looked at me dead and said, I've made more money taking calls at Dell than I did playing major league baseball. So like, that's kind of like the, that's kind of like the whole story. Yeah. He made more money working at Dell, taking calls than he did getting, playing major league baseball and getting called up to play in major league games. And this is, like I said, I was, I can't remember his name to save my life, but I looked him up and he, you know, obviously he wasn't lying, but, uh, um, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, no, that was just nuts to me. And that just kind of gave you, that kind of should just give you a perspective of like how much they make. Let's see. Like I said, I graduated in 2015. So he probably was like, so they're fighting for these, some of these basic rights for these players now. Could you imagine? And he was a little bit older than me. So this, I, I mean, he's, he may have been playing in the nineties or he, you know, he, I, he might not have been that like in the early two thousands. So like, or in the, like the mid two thousands. So like, you know, and, and so they, and they're fighting for some of the stuff you hear about now, like housing and pay, just think about it. Well, how it was 20 years ago, you know, 15 years ago. So that's just how wild all this stuff is and how much the, 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 how stupid it all is. Cause to say it with me, there's no such thing as a poor MLB franchise. They have Correct. the money. They just refuse to, to, Correct. to give it to anybody. Pretty assholes. So, and, the only thing I could think, the only leverage in AJ, you, I might might be saying this wrong, is, you know, they they might come at the players with like, hey, you're losing millions of dollars, but they can always rebuttal, yeah, well, you're losing more, you're losing hundreds of millions of dollars, so like, why don't you settle with us, so then we can get we can get the playing, but we'll see how it all. Shakes yeah, can out. we take a second just to clown Rob Manfred, the uh, commission, the Major League Baseball commissioner, uh, who this week, this past week, uh, when he was um, speaking to the media, uh, somebody somebody asked him whether it was profitable to own a baseball franchise. And he looked them dead in the eye and said, you know, we had some experts come, and this is an exact quote, this is a paraphrase, but he said, you know, we had some experts come in and they told us that, uh, you know, the, the return on investment for a baseball team uh, is not as high as it could be in the stock market. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that, this, this, this just bag of, this bag of wind this 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 stultifying sack of just farts sat there and looked them dead in the face and tried to say that it was not profitable to own a baseball uh, a baseball team. Oh, AJ, it's not it's not profitable to own. Isn't that the industry where the uh, TV rights cut you a check for like a couple hundred million every year? Yeah, that'd be the one. <laughs> is that is that that one? Oh, okay, so that's not profitable. That'd be the couple one. hundred that's million. Not Apparently not. All of the Guys, all of the MLB owners are terrible businessmen, and what they're actually doing is just providing a public service uh, by sitting there and collecting all of your money. I see. Guys, it looks like our 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 next bid for becoming the next next expansion MOB team should we should just scrap. Oh it hell yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're, we're... We might as well go back to to trying to uh manufacture farts in the <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's how we'll raise the initial funds. Yeah. <laughs> That's absurd. Now, do you guys anticipate do you guys anticipate this ending? like sometime in the next two weeks before the end of this month, or do you think it'll go into further into spring? Depends on how scared the owners get. Uh, and cause I think, I think the players at this point have established that like they're, they're basically they're daring the owners. Out. They're like, what are you going to do? Like, you don't have anything left. 
You can't lock us out. You already did that. That's not helping. Like, what do you expect? What do you think is going to happen here? Um, just to be clear, by the way, that that outrageous proposal for, put forward by uh, Major League Baseball to further um, diminish the working conditions for uh, in the minor leaguers in exchange for um, games for the major leaguers uh, was outright rejected by the union. They were like, they basically told them to fuck off with that. So, um, so so far the players are standing strong. And, and like I said, if I'm them. I'm looking to punish the owners after this. They need to be taught a lesson because they think they think they can get away with this. And that's outrageous in and of itself. If you let them, uh, if you capitulate or like try to treat them as if they're reasonable, then you're going to basically set the precedent that they can get away with this stuff. And you really can't do that at this point. Like they've the owners have kind of forced the players into a position where it's like, you know, it's, it's that position where you back someone against the corner and, you know, they're trying to say, look, you don't want to do this. You don't want to do this. And you back them up into a corner. It's like, well, now I don't have a choice. Now you got to get your ass whooped. So I think I honestly, I don't think, I, I think the season is in danger at this point. I don't think it's just spring training. I think it's the season. Um, but I, I know who knows. Uh, Lauren, what do you, I mean, what do you think about all this? Do you think, do you think same question, basically, do you think it ends sooner rather than later? Or do you see it leaking into the spring? And potentially oh yeah. Summer? It'll, it, I think, I think AJ's right. I think it's, uh, I've always wondered why they haven't, why, why, when they had these talks before, they it always seemed like to me the players would cave too early, um, and why they wouldn't put their foot down for longer. Um, and it's it, you know it's 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 hard in one sense. It's easy for me to say that, but it's hard in one sense because they're also the players are also losing their money or losing you know they're losing stuff for themselves as well. Their career that year of baseball or whatever. So you know it's easy for me to sit here and be like stand fast because I'm not. I mean I'm just not watching baseball right now. I'm watching basketball. You know, so uh, it, I think but I think AJ's right. I'm, the sense from them is usually to me. In the past, from my understanding, they've caved by now. Like spring training has started, so like the difference is that they're not, and it's it's been real interesting that they're that they're not, and I'm hoping they don't. Um, the other side note I wanted to say is that a lot of times, or I'd say most, the reason why you don't have, um, I mean, yeah, I guess you can even see it in the 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 talks for the MLB right now. You have these higher end players like Max, like other guys stepping up. Max is the only one I could prominent one I could remember. Uh he they take care of the minor leaguers. I don't know if that's something you know. Like if they if like let's just say Max got hurt and he got designated a triple A roster, they'll the he'll go when they go out to eat at night, he'll pay pick up the tab. Like he'll pay for stuff. Like they'll go like if so like that's kind of like the the kind of don't cross the line, picket line kind of I'll scratch your back, you scratch. Like they do other things as well. Juan Soto's first day on the job, uh Bryce Harper bought him two suits. Said go pick out two suits that you want at Mar Taylor. They're they're on the house you know kind of things like that like the um they kind of do things try to do things like that to, to help these minor leaguers because they know they're struggling and especially um in this way right now they're trying to do the best they can to put their foot down and really help the minor leaguers out nice well i mean i, I guess i'm excited to see them from from my standpoint <laughs> i'm excited to honestly just see the players stick it to the owners and for once, actually see players literally give them the F you and just like you pay up or you shut up and they're totally cool with it. So uh, I hope to see that solidarity and, you know, that unity continue forward. And then hopefully that I mean, hopefully that gives other leagues an example to, you know, to go off of. I'm sure it's like contracts and how players are paid is a lot different in the MLB than it is for, like, say, the NBA or NFL. But I'd love to see those two leagues at some point. Go, you know, if Major League Baseball can do it, we absolutely can do it. And then these, those, this, like player unions and associations, just making the owners finally pay up. So, um, super excited to see where that moves going forward. 
Um, also, I wanted to give a quick shout out to none other than Ryan Zimmerman, uh, the longtime Nationals pitcher, called it a career. Um, so he, I remember him. I don't, I don't know a lot of baseball players, but I do know Zimmerman, um, and you know, I know he was a great pitcher and all that. So shout out to him real quick. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything you want to say about his career or anything like that, but yeah, he wasn't a pitcher, bro. He was he played third base. There you go. See, <laughs> I don't know nothing about baseball. Hey, Eric, he to your credit, Eric, to your credit, there was a pitcher on the Nats staff, or there was a pitcher that uh, a player for the Nationals. That's last name was Zimmerman. See, I to knew your that. Credit. Okay, to your credit. All right. But uh, I, I knew there was a Zimmerman who was a pitcher too. Okay, yeah, guys. So to your to your credit, I could understand the, know, the the confusion. I there. know that they throw balls and they score touchdowns and yeah, make goals. They, they shoot the that, three pointers. So don't worry about it. That's what they do. Yeah, uh, he had a he had a great career. Uh, it, to me, it's he probably won't go in the Hall of Fame um, because he was he's uh, his career is filled riddled with injuries. There's a lot of it. He never could really stay healthy and on the field, and he that's even what makes him had to switch to first base. But he'll definitely probably have his Nationals jersey retired, and there'll probably be a statue of him um, outside the stadium. He's the first. I mean, I remember going to games at RFK watching watching him play, you know, um, and watching him hit triples and. Him and Alfonso Soriano, I believe, is who we had at the time. And, you know, I think Alfonso even had like a 2020 season that that year and watching them um, watching them play and hit home runs. But, yeah, yeah, I'll, you know, and to see a player retire with the same team they started with that their 17 years is rare nowadays. So, you know, my hat's off to him. Um, it was great. It was fun watching him here, fun having him here. You know, now we're moving on to a new era of Nationals baseball. Yeah, he's, he's uh, definitely one of the most – uh, beloved figures in that organization. Um, definitely. I, I think Lauren's probably right. I don't think his career is quite um, Hall of Fame worthy, but it's definitely, he's definitely going to be remembered uh, for the rest of the endurance of this franchise for just how um, important he was. Uh, I was watching on, I was watching on Twitter, some of the, uh, you know, some of the tributes to him and stuff. And they replayed like the first, the first game at uh at Nats Park, he like walked off in the ninth inning with like a it was tied two to two, and he hits like he crushed the home run to left field. Like it's just those kind of special moments they stick with you. Uh, and and uh, you know, Zerman is uh, you know he's he's that guy. He's that guy for for the Nats franchise, and you know you wish him the best. You're that guy, pal. Yeah, yeah that he is. Now. He is. He really is. There you go. Well. <clears throat> Zimmerman, I didn't know much about you, but kudos on a career, man. Something that not a lot of players can say, honestly. So, uh, respect. Now, a sport that I do know pretty well, I like to think. Uh, soccer World Cup qualifiers are currently still going on. Uh, in the North American table, Canada is on top with 25 points. Uh, not close, not, not too far behind are both USA and Mexico, each one tied up at 21 apiece. Uh, so those top three teams uh, are vying all for a position in the World Cup. Now, Mexico does play U.S. Uh, next on the docket. That'll be March 24th, March 24th uh, for the showdown, basically, in the number two spot. Um, number two is uh, a more secure spot than number three. I think number three, it, the position of the top three basically dictates, like, your groups and how you're seated and whatnot once you get into the into the World Cups. Um, do you know Eric? But yeah, you know that's a... playing. Sorry, I mean a good job. Do you know where Mexico and USA are playing? Are they playing here or that's it's still to be determined. Oh, so okay. that is up in the air. I think part of it has to do with they're trying to decide if they want to have it here in the US 
uh, but with COVID cases and all that, I think they the uh, Mexico the Mexican Federation is kind of pushing for a home game. So yeah, I got you. Who is it? So the USA just played El Salvador. I believe they just played Panama, if I'm not mistaken, oh, or Honduras. Uh, let's see here. Oh, Honduras. Uh, what? So yeah. I think it was. It might have been the El Salvador game. I was reading about where there was kind of. The, was it the game in Colorado or in Minnesota where they played it at 9 p.m. Because yeah, that was El Salvador. Honduras. El Salvador made us fly out there and play like in the summer at like 12 o'clock in the afternoon. And so, like, all our players were, like, suffering from heat stroke. So, we were like, oh, really? Yeah. And so, we flipped the script on them and made them play. And their goalie had to leave with uh, 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 hypothermia. Hypothermia, I think. Yeah, like, with his ears or something like that. So, like, we flipped the script. Anyway, sorry. I thought that was I thought that was hilarious. But No, it is hilarious. You know what's crazy is that's not the first time that it's happened uh, either direction. Because I remember for a long time what Mexico used to do was um, – Mexico would purposely schedule games in their biggest stadium, Mexico City. So it would be just jam-packed of uh, pure Mexicans at like 12 p.m. against all their opponents. They didn't, they didn't care where you were from. And they would, they would, all they would do is reserve one little section on the side uh, for visitors. And that was it. They'd be like, oh, yeah, tickets sold out. I don't know. All the Mexicans were like, I don't know. And uh, so that's like a big thing that a lot of soccer teams do. That's why it's so huge when um, when you get to a World Cup and it's like, you know, you don't really have a home field advantage unless you're like Saudi Arabia, who's hosting it, or Qatar. Or like when Russia hosted it, like Russia had a huge home field advantage, which is why they propelled into like the quarterfinals and they were like a Cinderella story. But yeah, uh, that was the Honduras game where they played in Minneapolis and it was like negative 16 degrees with the wind chill. And, uh, yeah, you could tell that a lot of the Honduran players were out there and they're like, what am I doing here? <laughs> Are you contemplating life choices at that point? Yeah, like, I think. Why like, am I here? They had, they, they like maxed out on subs because players were just like not able to catch their breath. People were getting hurt left and right. It was not a good game for Honduras. Yeah, no, that's a. I I was scrolling through Twitter and I was trying to figure out what the video was, and then I realized what it was. Is they held a shirt. The sideline guys held it like they. I guess they got a shirt wet and they held it flat like a board. Like the shirt froze, and then they just started oh, to nah. punch it, and the shirt didn't move. Like you could break it, you could crump break it like glass. Like that's how cold it was out there. Like it, a shirt froze flat, and it just it was you, like you could eat off of it. Like it was like a table. But oh, I thought yeah. that was hilarious. So I think the seeding works, Eric, right? So I think top three go on. And then the fourth, if you're in fourth, you go to a play-in tournament, right? Yeah. I'm pretty so, sure that's how that works out. Yeah. Then, I, I think it's the same as like with um, South America. So they'll go off and they'll play in like a different tournament with like Asian teams or African teams. And they'll it, playing it in and that's it. Gotcha. Hmm. That'll be interesting. Hopefully we make it. I'll, oh, man. Oh, yeah. You also definitely probably make it. Um We'll, we'll probably, at bare minimum, make it in that three. I don't see anybody underneath. Honduras is like, they've lost a lot of their veteran players who were like key components for a lot of their runs in the past few years. El Salvador is still recovering from like all the um, all the BS that the old federation did before Bukeles came in and absolutely revamped the sports federations. Uh, Panama is not very strong. Costa Rica is on the older side of things, so we don't have a lot. We don't have a lot of competition. I am surprised to see how strong Canada has been coming out. Yeah, uh, in North America, um, that was not something I saw coming, but it makes sense. They have a lot of players overseas who were groomed, like 
being groomed up to play and um they've got a lot of good experience over in england and uh some players in like bundesliga so they, yeah. they they're getting a lot of foreign exposure us is finally starting to get some of that exposure yeah. for some of their players too and we're finally getting guys signed overseas so who knows we might be on the up and up here but I think we are. I think we definitely are on the up and up every other day. I feel like I'm on Twitter and I see that we got a guy signed to a Premier League or, you know, in, in one of these European leagues. And so we'll see. We'll see. Fingers crossed. Hopefully we have a good run. Um, I've, you know, I'm, it's sad that when we had guys like Dempsey and Donovan and Bradley, we couldn't put it all together. But right. those other teams are playing in a league of their own, man. Germany, Argentina, Brazil, like Brazil, powerhouses. Yeah, they're world-class. Those are world, world-class world soccer teams, man. Well, yeah, so it'll be fun to see. But keep an eye out. That Mexico and U.S. game has huge implications. Um, so that'll definitely be a fun game to watch if you're in the mood for some soccer. Um, the beautiful game, as they call it. So um, Now I'm going to take a moment here. Uh, first off, Shout out to local Montgomery County product, Jake Funk of Damascus High School. Uh, he is now a Super Bowl champion, rookie running back. Yeah. Like sixth or seventh round out of Maryland College yep. Park. Yeah. Always got himself a ring out here repping the 301. That's right. But also, we're going to give a shout out to the Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams, well Super Bowl MVP, Cooper Cup. Uh but gentlemen, I also Lauren here called it first. You heard it here first on Go you Deep heard Podcast. It here on the pod. That's right. I want to take a moment for myself. Yes, me. moment of. I feel the love. I feel the love. You, you, you. The, the, the floor is yours, sir. Say what you will. <laughs> yeah, no. So the um, like me and AJ were discussing that we both agreed that the Rams were dark horses to co- to win this thing. They're just the, they're the biggest dark horse that you could ever, you just never, you ever saw coming. And, and, you know, the fact that I picked them, you know, <laughs> it just means that, uh, you know, I, um, no, I just thought that they really what made, the, I think made the biggest difference for them, which no one saw coming really was the fact that they traded for OBJ and Vaughn in the middle of the season. And they just kind of, they like, I kind of alluded to it earlier. I said it earlier, the our GM pushing the chips in, but their GM was just literally like, it's Super Bowl or bust. So like, here's all the chips, like we're either going to make it or we're not going to have a first round pick till I'm like dead. So uh, they, they, that's what they did. And they, and it pays off, you know, they're going to pay for it in years, in a few years here, probably was Matt's as Matt starts to decline a little bit, but I don't, I don't see, I personally don't see them doing it again. I think that they, they, they struck gold at the right time. And I, cause I, cause uh, also Aaron Donald's futures uh, is up in the air and kind of things like that. Um, and I don't, you know, what's also interesting is I don't see the Bengals. I don't see the Bengals getting back to a Super Bowl for a little while. Um, I think Joe, Joe's going to be, I think Joe had a shot and, you know, they were hot at the right time. Um, they got hot, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I just thought the Rams, the Rams had it this year. I thought that move, I thought the head coach was Sean and um, I should have put a futures bet on him. Should have put my money where my mouth is, but maybe next year I'll do it and get it wrong. So we'll see, but yeah, victory lap. So I'm right. I'm, I'm the champion for now until, until next year. You are until next year. We'll see what happens. Maybe, maybe AJ will dethrone you. Cause we'll I'm, see. I'm probably going to go with the Jets here. And I'll probably be wrong. <laughs> hey, Hey, they could get, Hey, you could, he could have a Joe Burrow type two, two hey, season bro. where he comes if, out. If slinging. you call a Super Bowl with the Jets correctly, like you could just be champion from, for like the next three or four years, bro. That's true. That's very we'll just true. Just give that to you. You know, it'll be short lived. Cause if I call Jets as Super Bowl champions and we end up doing it, I may not live. To see the next day. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll have to be like, with you. That's the thing. Yeah, we'll, we'll make, make sure, sure you're all right. right. You might, 
you might not leave your room for four days, but like, you know, you might, you might be in a coma for a little while, but we'll make sure you, you go. get the IV drip going, you know, kind of things like that. Medically induced coma. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> no, we gotta, what, if that ever happens though, we gotta go, we gotta go, you gotta go to the parade. Oh yeah. No, we'll make a whole thing out of yeah. it. Gentlemen. Joe, Joe Shiesty, by the way, is definitely going to be another Super Bowl. I don't know. I don't know where that sort of hatred came from, but I think he's proved. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is that him winning that Titans game with, with him basically not having an extant offensive line is, like, that was nothing short of miraculous. I, like, right. if, if, you know, him, if you if you got him and Jamar Chase on the football field at the same time, I think he's always got a shot. Uh, and uh, and I, don't, I don't see the Bengals letting that combination, uh, you know, go anywhere. Uh, I think... I think what will probably happen is this draft, you're going to see every single pick be an offensive lineman, but we'll see. As it should be. As it should be. As it should be, because he got beat he up. sure did. But- Lauren, Lauren woke up and chose violence today. Nah, I just don't – I don't see – well, here's the thing. Here's the thing I'll say. But the minute they lose that defensive coordinator, I think that's when their shot's gone. Because that defensive coordinator is insane, and his halftime adjustments are, are insane. But they got to sure up that line. They'll probably go – get Brandon Sheriff. I bet you they'll pay him a butt ton of money and then they'll probably draft yeah. a left tackle. Cause that right guard got well, no, but he was going against Aaron Donald. I mean, yeah. not a lot he of got, people. No, he got sunned. They, Aaron yeah, Donald did. Yeah. Yeah. Not for sure. Made him a child. But that's, uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we'll see. I just think, I don't know. I think that they got hot at the right time. I think it'll be a few years before he's back. I guess my point is I don't see them repeating this next year. That's my yeah, point. No. I just think because of I how, how turbulent the NFL is, um, Dan Marino got like maybe one shot at it early and then never again. And just cause of injuries and how things go and guys leaving and stuff like that. So we'll see. I think I, he might be in another one, but I think it's going to be a nah, while before bro. he's Joe, in Joe Shiesty, Joe Shiesty got this. He got the secret sauce, bro. You can tell. Yeah. But he's in that division <laughs> with Mike Tomlin and Lamar Jackson, you know? Yeah. No, we'll I'm see, sorry, man. I, I, They'll I, see. I, 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 I've seen enough. The, the kid's got it. He's going to be back. He's there. got it. Don't get me wrong. He's he'll probably win an MVP at some point. In his next few years, but I just don't know if uh, I just I just it'll, I think it'll be a while for they get in the Super Bowl, another Super Bowl again. I wouldn't be surprised to see Joe win MVP next year, honestly. Um, even if they give him like average upgrades above what he had, he's still gonna tear it up. He, I mean, he showed that he can sling the damn thing. But uh, Lauren, to your to your to to what you're saying. Uh, that defense, not only you know is it the coordinator, but they're they're going to start losing pieces here. I mean, if they're not going to be able to keep everybody, and that's you know that's ultimately what kills dynasties is your inability to just keep the whole party together. Um, Tampa even tried to do it this year, and it didn't quite work out for them. Um, but just everybody gets older every year, and then money gets more. Everybody wants their cut. You know, uh, we'll see how much Joe demands. Joe, when Joe's they got it. I'll tell you right now, if you want to strike while the iron's hot, the Bengals need to because he's he's playing on his rookie deal. It's as cheap as yeah. he's going to be for the for the rest of his career. So, man, you got to pay that man. I don't oh, care no, he, what he, nobody says. Pay that man. Paid. He's about to get paid. That's what I'm saying. He's about to get oh, paid. Yeah. So, like, he's, he's about gonna... to get. He's about to be making the air close to the Aaron Rodgers type mm-hmm. money. The the, yeah. the forty mil a year. So, uh, mm-hmm. you got to If you want to, if you want to go all in while he's on a rookie deal, they're probably fifth option, fifth year option him because it's cheaper than still paying him, but. If it, what's what what's wild to me about these NFL teams are is they have guys and they'll be like, oh, we're gonna fifth year option them because it's cheaper than paying them forty million now. It's like, yeah, but next year the cap goes up. You're gonna owe them like forty two million next year, and then from then on out, <laughs> like if you just pay them now, like you'll probably end up saving money. So, 
We'll see. I uh, but we, we I'm sorry. We 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 let uh, Joe Burrow hijack the conversation. We should talk about the, how good the Rams were, uh, because they were very good in that that football Facts. game. Uh, Cooper Cup, absolutely just sending Eli Unreal. Apple to the shadow realm. Uh, Dog, just, just just sunning this kid. Just just super well. That no look pass by Matthew Stafford. Oh my was nuts. god, unreal! And then Ridiculous. when Stupid, and then so I, I kind of tell it. I me and AJ kind of talked about this when we were watching it. There there are moments in games like the Super Bowl where you have to make game game winning plays, and it's just like you are the best receiver uh, this mm-hmm. year. I was a, you know, in the know, whole NFL, the best not, on the team, not on the not on not in the oh, game. Yeah, the whole NFL, the entire NFL. Yeah, NFL. Like you just gotta have to get open and make the catches, and that's and Matt helped them, you know, and that's what they did. They just fed him, and he just like he said, he sunned him, he sunned Eli Apple, and then all those he holding took over penalties the game at the end. There. It got it was real interesting though. All those whistles started coming out, the flags started coming out the last two minutes. Though. That that it was pretty pass interesting. Interference call they against that play. linebacker, the Bengals linebacker, was not a pass interference at all. And they completely yeah. missed uh, that one call, that one Jalen Ramsey uh, face mask. Face yeah, mask. Like, like they that let face him, mask was yeah, that crazy. Was they let him play the whole game except for the last two minutes, which I thought was mm-hmm. interesting. And then the flag started flying. And well, the, Tony so. Dungy was, I mean, a, a broken clock is right twice a day. He, he pointed it out. He's like, he let those he, they let those boys play the entire game until the last two minutes. All of a sudden, they start they start officiating. It's like, come on, bro. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. Nah, that that part had me a little a little sick because i was like you you guys barely called anything all game kept it like a pretty clean game and then all of a sudden like now we got to follow the rules this yeah, yeah now all of a sudden uh, now all of a sudden we got like uh what is it they ran like probably like 10 plays and we had like five flags on five of mm-hmm. them or more yeah. and then uh how crazy was it that uh how crazy would it have been that uh chase was open on that last oh. play if joey could have got it to him Oh my if god! Joey could have got it to him. He, he just needed it like he just needed a zone. split second, like just enough time to step up and throw the ball. He just, they couldn't give it to him. And you know, a half second. I have to say, like, oh sorry, Lauren, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I was going to say, like, I think that that really like shows the difference in this game right now. It's like, it's like at every turn when when it mattered, like the Rams do did what they could to put the ball in the hands of their playmakers. Right? Like, it's like, uh, well. At the beginning of the game, right, it was Odell Beckham. It was like, yo, what are we doing? Throw him the ball. Like, just like, just get it to him. Uh, you know, Odell Beckham unfortunately goes down with a knee injury after he scores his, his Super Bowl touchdown and everything. Like, and then he comes out the game. Who's going to step up? It's it, obviously it's Cooper Cup. That's and the, and they're throwing him the ball. You know, uh, and then on the other side of the ball, you know, you've got the Bengals. Uh, the game on the line, a, a crucial third and one, and you're handing the ball off to Samaji Pirine when Joe Mixon has been eating. The entire uh, game, right? Like, what? right? Guys, oh. It was it was just a baffling decision. Baffling. Uh, I mean, absolutely. I get baffling. the I get the you know. First of all, no no hate on Samaji P Ryan. You know, your former Washington football teamer. So you know, I'm not gonna hate too hard too, on you too hard. But the fact of the matter is, Joe Mixon had been eating all game, and it and when it's when it's a situation like that, you put your you put your best, you put the ball in the hands of your player, and you say, look, you know, I can't scheme us a victory. Somebody's got to just go out there and do it. Just make go a play. out there and make a play. And they, the Bengals refuse to put the ball in the hands of their playmakers. Uh, and then at the end of the game, when when it's a crucial fourth down, Jamar Chase comes open. Who 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 is there to to save the day on an obvious passing situation? It's going to be the best pass rusher uh, maybe in NFL history. Um, you know, he, there's pro- well probably LT is probably better than him, but uh, but like one of the best pass rushers in, 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 in NFL history is Aaron Donald uh, in position to oh, make yeah. a play because of, uh, you know, Von Miller's on the other side of the ball 
or the other side of the, the line uh, in position because the Rams did what they could to put their playmakers in position to win the game for them. Um, and I think that's the difference in, ultimately in that game, which was still close, but that's why the Rams got the edge in my opinion. Eric, do you think the game would have been – do you think the game would have gone differently, like not as close if OBJ didn't go down? Absolutely. Yeah. I think I think at one point uh, before the injury, you could tell that that Cincinnati defense, like it just – it was – it had no answers for both of them. They were selling out completely on cup, and that's why Odell was able to get free on that first touchdown. Because everybody knows, like they're already down Higby. So who do you focus on? Cup, and you don't you let you you let Eli try to go one on one on on Odell, and was, that's why like in the first half, Cup was virtually non-existent, like nowhere to be found. I'm sure they had the slot with some inside help from a linebacker with help over the top on the from the safety, and they're just telling the guy on OBJ like just be a, be an athlete, be better than him. Um. So if they had Odell back, and I was saying it all in the second half, I was like, because uh, they were th- they were feeding it to like number eighteen or like Van Jefferson, and like Van Jefferson to his credit, like he was thrust in a position finally where he was like, all right, kid, you're gonna have to make some plays. But number eighteen on the Rams, I didn't, I couldn't even pronounce his name. Never heard of him before in my life. He clearly was not really an athlete. The moment was too big for him on multiple <laughs> occasions. Just dropping the balls. Threw the ball for an interception. Just let it just. Can't believe they're putting me in this position. Just not really. (laughs) Didn't didn't know I was going to have to play football here for the jerseys. (laughs) Right. He's like, I thought I was just here to collect the Just here for the confetti. (laughs) And and, and I said it on multiple occasions because that Bengals defense was stifling Stafford. Like all third quarter, Rams offense was virtually non existent. Couldn't get a first down to save their life. And I was telling everybody, I was like, if Odell didn't go down, you open the field back up. So with him gone, it created a tighter game. Um, But yeah, I mean, that that video that you guys shared in the group chat of McVay calling AD's last play, like just thinking about it now, chills. The best three technique in NFL history. I you can quote me on that. Uh, I mean, I know Reggie White is one of the best, if not the best defensive lineman overall. Uh, Lawrence Taylor, one of the, he's probably the number one, if not number two, only behind Bruce Smith, um, who holds the sack record. Um, Best, like, rushers on the edge. But AD is the one guy that you can line up anywhere on the defensive line and you have to go, oh, shit, it's AD. I mean, the guy trains trains with knives, so. Um, if he does retire, good for him. That guy deserves a ring more than anybody other, like not named Stafford on that team. Uh, the only reason Stafford deserves a ring too is because, God, man, is it nice to see you get out of Detroit and actually do your day? Yo, man, for real, like Matt Stafford was like banished to the fucking wall from uh, Game of Thrones <laughs> for like his entire career. My man gets like thirty seconds in a nice, in nice sunny California. All of a sudden, he's got a ring, man. I feel so good for him. <laughs> He's like, I see. Look, he's like, look what I could have done. Look what I could have done with the team. That's all I'm saying. That, right. He's like, man, look, 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 look at this. Yeah, I think. Now, the game, I, huh? I, I think the game would have been. I think the game would have gone a lot differently too if they if um the injuries didn't keep mounting up for the Rams as well. They all. I think I'm pretty sure they they lost their third string tight end. Right. They like were down yeah. to their third string and lost him as well. And Sean McVay's yep. offense runs a lot of uh runs through a lot of the tight ends. His tight ends. So like they were down to they were down to like you know. 
probably special special teams players playing tight ends for tight end for him. So they probably had really had to limit their offense and what they were comfortable with doing. And then really, I think what it was is keep the game close. And then once it's time, you know, once we got to make a move, we'll make a move and may our best players get, you know, hopefully our best players make, make their plays like Cooper did. So, you know, just keep force feeding them. But yeah, it was a good game. Glad my Rams did it. Uh, yeah, no, it was definitely a good game, but um, yeah. Our like course that said, they were. <laughs> like you said, man, if, if the, if the Rams have a full, like a full team, um, no injuries. I think it would have been a little bit more one-sided towards the end of the game, but who knows? Um, now, I will say this. Richard Sherman didn't have to come for Matthew Stafford's life the way he did. Is he wrong? No. I think all three of us agreed on that before the pod, but let my man have his moment, bro. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I was like, you have all summer. I was like, you have all summer to, to, to come after him. Like, give him his 15. Like, we ain't even leave the month of February yet. And he's already right. like, he ain't going in the Hall of Fame. What the hell? You know, he, like, <laughs> he didn't just walk up with the Super Bowl champion. Like, right. like let my man enjoy his I parade, just got man. out of Detroit, right? Like, I just got out of Detroit to sunny California. Just took my team to a Super Bowl. Like, can I have, like, my 15 minutes? Like, we can have this discussion in the off season or, like, like in a month or two when things are ramping back up. But, yeah, I Eric said it was correct. Was he wrong? Absolutely not. Could he wait a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, and just maybe. To... But he was asked is what you were saying, right, AJ? He someone reached out yeah, and asked no, him if he was. Well, didn't reach out, but I'll, I'll just set the stage for our listeners here who may not, yeah. may not have heard what, what happened. So after Stafford wins uh, the Super Bowl with the with the Rams, um, there's, you know, all of a sudden people, analysts from ESPN and the NFL Network start talking about, uh, you know, that they think that Staff, Stafford belongs in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, uh, former fullback Michael Robinson says, yes, he's got a gold jacket. Absolutely. The ultimate team goal to win a Lombardi. Matthew Stafford actually has, and he is, he was a huge part of winning the Super Bowl. Uh, right. And Dan Orlovsky is, 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 you know, saying the same thing. Uh, I honestly believe it is, it's one of, if not the most, uh, clutch stretch of postseason performances by a quarterback ever. Um, right. Richard Sherman's responding to these, to these comments and what he's, I'll just give you guys is, is, his full quote, uh, he in this is in a series of tweets. He he put this out there. He says there is no measuring stick that makes Stafford a Hall of Famer other than playing in the most passer happy decade in NFL history. Inflated numbers make every uh, every QB that starts ten plus years a Hall of Famer. Uh, and then he says I'm gonna gonna talk about it on the podcast, but the Hall of Fame bar is incredibly low now, like a participation trophy. Matt and he's talking about Matthew Stafford here. He says no All Decade team, no All Pro, no MVP. One Pro Bowl, not even MVP of the Super Bowl. Never considered the best in any year he played. At least Matt Ryan has an MVP. Like, wow, that that's a devastating case to make. Uh, but I don't think I yeah. don't think Richard Sherman is wrong about that. <laughs> He's correct. So do so I, I I do too. I agree. But do you think he'll get in anyway? You know, he might. I wouldn't be surprised. If I would be surprised. Yeah. I think he will. I think he will, because it's because to me, to me, some of the NFL Hall of Fame is almost like a popularity contest, right? Like if you're if you're popular and you're in the media still and people like you, you know, you can have average careers and then make it in the NFL. Like you, you I mean, make it in the Hall of Fame. Like you have some guys making the Hall of Fame because they're like eight time Pro Bowlers and you know, eleven time or, or eight time um, or three or four time all uh, all NBA or all NFL. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, honors, you know, and you know, I've seen guys with less resumes make it, and it's a quarterback 
people like quarterbacks. Quarterbacks tend to quarterbacks that win Super Bowls tend to make it. So we'll see. I think that the uh, I think he gets things. It's a popular. That's why I also think I think Tony Romo's got a shot at getting in. I think because just because people like him, I think he's just popular. I think he, I think he does. I seriously think, I don't I don't think he deserves to get in, but I think he's gonna have a shot. No, and I I believe you. It, it, the the best example of this that I can think of that's most immediate, in my opinion, is Patrick Willis. Was he a phenomenal linebacker when he played for San Francisco? Absolutely. He was one of the best linebackers for those like six years that he played, but he didn't. He didn't win a Super Bowl. Wait, did he? I don't remember. He might have. I don't recall. But I mean, did he make a butt ton of Pro Bowls? Yeah, but Mac fucking Jones made a Pro Bowl, so <laughs> don't talk to me about the validity of that. Yeah, he was five team All First Pro, All Pro First Team, and then he was second team once. He made seven Pro Bowls. Uh, he was NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. But yeah, he played for seven years, and that you know they they're considering him for the Hall of Fame as well. And that's my thing. It's like Patrick Willis was he was one of those players who every time he was on the field he was he was a monster. I will give him that. But I didn't see him. He didn't have the longevity of like a Brian Urlacher or, or uh, like a Derek. Uh, what? What's the guy's name? Uh, Derek Brooks. Um, I don't. I don't think he he made he he didn't have an impact like Ray Lewis or um, Zach Thomas or someone like that. Zach Thomas is another one of those players who like consideration for the Hall of Fame, but why didn't win the Super Bowl again? Didn't didn't win multiple Defensive Players of the Years like. For me, it's it, they kind of lowered the bar, um, in terms of like what 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 gets you in, like the fact that um, I don't know the fact that uh, what's his name, the wide receiver who was up for it uh, this year who played for the Colts, Reggie, Reggie Wayne. Reggie Wayne. Like the fact that Reggie Wayne didn't get in astonishes me. Yeah, he had he put up numbers. He he was part of that tandem with uh, Peyton Manning. And uh, the other the other wide receiver who was before him, who I can't remember right now, Harris but it feels good. it feels like they've lowered the bar a little bit for Hall of Famers just to get more people in. Yeah, um, it's like a it's like I feel like it's like I said it's a popularity contest. You have to like be out there. You have to like be uh you have to have you have to like like the media has to like you essentially yeah. right like you have to like be a figure like be good on television talk to be good in interviews want people to talk to you you know. And it's kind of kind of like build your reputation that way. And then and then, you you know, have a decent career as well. Make some pro balls, make some all pro teams. But then when it's come to time to vote for him, like, oh, yeah, I remember talking to Reggie Wayne one time. He was super nice. I'll vote for him. You know who belongs in the Hall of Fame that has not gotten any buzz at all? Brian Mitchell. Well, yeah, Brian Mitchell, duh. Uh, well, not duh. That's sorry. That's sorry. My bad. I didn't mean to say that to you. You're a Washington team fan, uh, fan as well. You remember Brian Mitchell. <laughs> we used to watch Brian Mitchell coming up. He knows how good he was. Uh it's duh for me to the rest of the sports writing community. What the hell's wrong with you? He should be in the Hall of Fame for sure. Brian Mitchell was Brian Mitchell was basically Devin Hester before Devin Hester existed. Uh, He's still number two all time in in yards. Exactly. In, in receiving, rushing, receiving, rushing, and returning. He's still yep. number two. The only person that has more is Jerry. Yep. But you know what doesn't surprise me about the fact that he's not in? There are hella people who are saying that Devin Hester shouldn't have gotten in. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Only because they said the, that he didn't have enough of an impact on either side of That's the ball insane. other than special That's teams. That's absolutely insane. The way that Deion Sanders did. So, you know, Deion Sanders is a prolific returnman yeah. as well. 
but he was a shutdown corner, and that was the argument. And I'm like, are you out of your mind? They changed the kickoff. They did, yeah, they really did. Because of Devin Hester. Like, teams would do go out of their way to, like, kick the ball out of bounds constantly so he didn't have to – so he just he wouldn't return the ball. Like, that's that's absurd. You changed an entire phase of the game, you belong in the Hall of Fame. Sorry, that's, that's – Exactly, yeah. facts. I and then there's three phases the of the game, too. They, look how ask, uh, ask Aaron Rodgers how important special teams are. <laughs> hey, yo. <laughs> I'm I think so you know the bigger too. Hey, I, I, I bet you can get. A, I guess I bet you get that Packers that that Green Bay Packer to vote for that Chicago Bear to go in the Hall of Fame at this point. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. Yo. <laughs> Here's another guy who who made the pro or who made the Hall of Fame, who I recognize by name, but I I genuinely didn't think he was like an All Star light up generational type running back like that. Do you guys remember Edron James? Oh hell yeah, the Edge. Hell yeah. Dude, he's in yeah. the Hall of Fame. He was a great running back. Don't get me wrong, Hall of Fame worthy. He's only thirteenth all time on the on the rushing list, um, and that's like really his most significant stat. Yeah. I mean, he won a Super Bowl, but yeah, he kind of has like yeah, went to four yeah. Pro Bowls. Yeah, that's interesting. So, so it goes back to like you know certain positions are. I don't know. It's weird. The the Hall of Fame to me is just kind of a a weird situation right now. It's in a weird spot. Like every year there are players that get voted in where I'm like, yes, absolutely. That guy deserved to get in. Um, But then there are some times where it's like, hey, yo, who is this? So I, sorry. So, so, sorry. I didn't mean to cut cut you off, but like I I did, I did raise, I was trying to raise this earlier uh, when Lauren brought up Brian Dimitri. Uh, but I do agree with B. Mitch, but the person who I was actually talking about, London Fletcher, belongs in the Hall of Fame, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, former uh, St. Louis Ram and uh, Washington football team uh, middle linebacker. Uh, if you compare his – so Ray Lewis is in the Hall of Fame, and I'm just going to read some stats here. Ray Lewis played for 17 seasons. London Fletcher played for 16. Ray Lewis missed 44 games. London Fletcher missed a grand total of, and I shit you not, in the NFL, playing middle linebacker, zero games. Literally played during a violent every era. single game during of his a career. violent era. Uh, uh, Ray Lewis has 20, uh, 2,059 tackles. London Fletcher, 2,039. Uh, Ray Lewis, 31 interceptions. London Fletcher, 23. Uh, Ray Lewis, 19 forced fumbles. London Fletcher, 19 forced fumbles. Uh, Ray Lewis, 41 and a half sacks. London Fletcher, 39. Uh, 13 Pro Bowls for Ray. Four for London Fletcher. Uh, Raisin, London Fletcher's not unclear why that should be the case, uh, particularly with that whole not missing any games as a middle linebacker thing. I think London Fletcher definitely belongs in the Hall of Fame, and I don't know what they're, I don't know what they're dragging their feet about. It doesn't make any sense. Oh, yeah. No, he does oh, for sure. He's got the same, he's got the same uh, resume, if not better, than that you just read off than Ray Lewis in most categories. And he won a Super Bowl. And get this. Ray Lewis was a first-round draft pick. London Fletcher was undrafted. Mm-hmm. He had to make that team and be better than everybody else in front mm-hmm. of him, uh, which is just also insane. Um, he's got a Super Bowl ring. The only reason he didn't get voted to more Pro Bowls is because because he wasn't flashy. He was dirty. Mm-hmm. He did. He just grit and grimed his way into tackles. He was. He wasn't. He wasn't. He. And this is no knock on Ray Lewis, but like you know, Ray Lewis would dance before he played. London Fletcher would just go out there and hit people, yeah. and you know, and and like you said, his durability, the fact that he only missed. That those those small amount of games is just nuts playing. And the other thing people don't realize is is, is Ray um, 
London Fletcher entered uh, entered the league in the early in the late nineties, I believe. And at that time, they were still playing on AstroTurf. And at that time, the hitting to the head was wasn't uh like was a thing. It was fine. Like they used to have segments on ESPN for most violent hits. So like he was not only playing on AstroTurf, which um, the NFL had a brilliant idea, just as a heads up, to have lay down concrete and then put like an inch of like fake turf on there. And so that's what these players were playing on for years. Um, and and uh, so like to, to only miss three games, playing a violent era and play for as long as he did is nuts. And the fact that he's still not in the Hall of Fame is also is a sad, sad fact. But he definitely deserves it. He, he should go and absolutely go and go into the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah, it's a travesty for sure. Um, fix this NFL. Fix it now. <laughs> well, well, well. Hold on. So this is a perfect segue for something uh, regarding the NFL needing to fix shit. Um, it they need to fix Dan Snyder and Stephen Ross and that whole situation going on. So Stephen Ross apparently is. They're saying that if Flores' lawsuit comes out with enough evidence to wait, wait, Eric, Eric, claim, Eric, who's tell us who Stephen Ross is? All oh, right. So sorry, listeners at home. Stephen Ross is the current owner of the Miami Dolphins. You can imagine uh, what a big market that is. So this owner supposedly came out and offered Brian Flores, who is an ex-head coach of, of the Miami Dolphins, $100,000 per loss like two seasons ago, which he refused to do because that's that's what a good head coach does. He, he coaches to win. Now, they're saying if this court case by Flores proves that Stephen Ross had even the notion of doing this, the owners will vote him out. You will be voted off the island, my good sir. So there's that. Yeah, I now there's. I think also, someone huh? pointed out on uh, I can't remember who it was, but someone pointed out on Twitter that like now that the NFL is basically in bed with uh, with like the gambling industry, like they cannot have this type of crap going on because it's like. Yeah. It just it makes the game seem like it's fixed, which prevents people from yeah. betting on it. It, it, it. That completely tanks that market. So they're going to want to get rid of him. Yeah, make a he's going to be a sacrificial lamb. Because let's be honest, if one owner was doing it, he's not going to be the only one. Nope, exactly. Oh, no. Now then, then on the other side, <laughs> so the NFL is just in a complete shitstorm right now, and I'm here for all of it. So apparently, I think one of you guys shared this. The 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 uh, congressional committee that was in that was asking for the investigation papers did they they finally got it right or they got some yeah so it. so the NFL asked for a bunch of documents uh, to be delivered by February fifteenth they uh, the committee that's investigating uh, the allegations of the women who are sexually harassed um, and and sexual in some cases um, uh, battered by Daniel or allegedly battered by D- Daniel Snyder um, the owner of the Washington football team uh they received some papers uh now i don't think i don't believe that the committee received the actual report from beth wilkinson um that was originally commissioned by dan snyder but then taken over by the nfl uh, which is really what we all want to see because uh the rumor is according to um sources uh inside the league that have leaked this information to reporters uh that beth wilkinson's report would have recommended that daniel snyder be removed as the owner of of the uh washington football team um and that's what we're kind of all looking for. And I think that if the committee had received that, it would be public knowledge by now. Um, so I think that the NFL is still retaining that. And we'll see what that um, what comes out of that, because the committee in its statement today threatened uh, to uh, hold like straight up. So so just to be clear for everyone at home, 
what was held a couple weeks ago for the Washington football team was not actually a formal committee hearing, uh, which comes with powers of like subpoena, uh, where the committee, the Congress can like legit, like just compel people to show up. And if you don't, you have to go to jail. Um, and so like that, that those powers were not attached to, to the, um, to the, um, round table, they call it a quote unquote round table discussion. Um, so what, what it really was, was just a forum to get the, um, allow the women who had been assaulted and who were willing to appear before Congress and tell their story to do like a forum to do that in. Um, and so if the committee decides that the allegations are serious enough, and the NFL is not cooperating, um, they can hold a formal hearing and ish, using the subpoena power, compel uh, Washington to show up or fit, literally like go to jail. Um, and like they, they would have to sit there and answer questions under oath. Uh, and if they were found to be lying at any time, they're, they're, they're perjuring themselves in front of Congress. Again, go to jail. Uh, <laughs> go directly to jail. Like it's, it's bad. So like, don't, don't pass go. Don't do not collect $200. Go directly to jail. Right to jail. Straight to jail. <laughs> exactly. Straight to jail. <laughs> Play music too loud. Right to jail. <laughs> Overcooked chicken. Jail. Undercooked chicken. Also jail. Uh, <laughs> Used too little seasoning, believe it or not, also jail. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 starting to get really serious, um, and uh, that that news just came out today. Um, so we'll see what comes of it. Uh, the, another aspect of the NFL that's just that's just rotten to high hell and begging for um, a little bit of sunshine and, and good old fashioned a public pillaring of rich people. Well, all of that to say that basically. If if the owners decide that one of these two guys need to be sacrificed, all it requires is twenty four yeses. Twenty four yeses, baby. Out of thirty, so it takes. Now, and the growing consensus is that it's most likely Snyder that's going to get mm-hmm. the cut uh, immediately, in, or in the near future, because they understand that the Flores lawsuit can be dragged out through the legal process. Yeah, I, I think and, the shot across. Uh, oh, sorry, Lauren. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say it's going to be real interesting to see if Stephen Ross has parties backing those emails getting released because maybe uh, he uh, has some uh, sway with some of those congressmen and other people to uh, get makes throw Snyder. get When that bus is coming, he's going to get Snyder ready to throw under it. But what were you about to say? I was going to say, I think the shot across the bow was uh, Florio uh, in a NF, on the on NFL uh, on NFL Network. The, the, before the Super before, Bowl, leading, leading up, up right up before Bowl, the Super yeah, Bowl. Florio came, came out, this uh, reporter employed by NFL network. So, you know, nothing gets on that network. That's not Damn. sanctioned by the NFL already. The shot across right. the bow was him announcing that like, Hey, the owners have feel like they've had enough and they, it, maybe it's time to see Snyder go, uh, which is as a Washington football team fan, I cannot tell you how exciting that is um, that Snyder might get the boot from a bunch of his rich ghoul cohort. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. He's still super rich. So he'll just go fuck off with private Island or whatever. But his yeah, yacht, his, his yacht that's bigger than my yeah, house. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you know, screw you and all that stuff. But I think it'll be really hilarious to watch you get humiliated by being booted out of the NFL by a bunch of other rich ghouls uh, who all hate oh, you yeah. as well. You're just hated by everybody. Fuck you, guy. Hope you die. Yeah. Um. So anyway, yeah that that was a shot across the bow, and I I agree. I think it, it, between Florio and and Snyder, the most likely person to get get the axe is definitely Snyder. Yeah. Well, and, and that's not even if even if Ross sticks around for a while, uh, I think it's safe to assume that we'll get to roast the hell out of him moving forward. Uh, not just because he's a ghoul, he's an absolute shithead and a piece of crap, 
but also because his newest head coach that replaced Brian Flores is out mm. here speaking stupidities, FaceTiming his current starting quarterback looking like a complete Oh, my geek, God. What a nerd. Three guys who play fucking Dungeons <laughs> Dragons. So get what fucked, a huge Mike nerd, McDaniel. Bro. Mike, Mike um, McDaniel, bro. AJ, go ahead and, and spear point and let the people know what idiocy this guy is spewing. All right, right so Mike McDaniel in a press conference. All right. Let's all right. I'm gonna I'm leave the, aside the cringy like Ted Lasso nonsense where he's like yeah, yeah, the yeah. the Miami Dolphins like press department puts out this Ted Lasso video of him like talking to Tua Tagovailoa and being like, you know, I believe in you and you know it's my job to just go out there and see see that you that you win or whatever. He, you know, he's doing his best uh, his best impression. Uh, we're gonna leave that aside because it's just a little bit too cringe for me to even comment on. Um, but this stuff. Just straight up, uh, I, I can't. This next thing, I just can't even. Ladies and gentlemen, as a uh, you know, an American with a black dad as well, uh, I think I, I feel like I have to speak on these comments here. Uh, so this is what this is what Mike uh, Mike McDaniel said. So of course, you know, with all this race stuff going on, um, uh, God, race stuff is a cursed phrase. Um, but like with the Brian Flores lawsuit coming out about how the NFL discriminates against black coaches. Uh, that come that drops on the first day of Black History Month, um, and uh, you know shortly after that, the Miami Dolphins decide to hire Mike McDaniel, um, and uh, Mike McDaniel, it turns out, is actually black, uh, which is not, which is you know it, it's I'm going to say it, but uh, it's not something that he would necessarily agree with, and I'll tell you why. Uh, this came up uh, <laughs> a couple a couple days ago. Uh, during a press conference, Mike McDaniel was asked about the fact that he uh, asked about his blackness, uh, and this is what Mike McDaniel decided to say. Uh, how he, this and the question is like how he feels about you know this stuff coming up, especially in, in the context of the Brian Flores lawsuit. And he says this: "It's been very odd to tell you the truth. This idea of identifying, quote unquote, as something," McDaniel said when asked about it today. I think people identify me as something, but I identify as a human being, and my dad is black. So whatever you want to call it, I know there are a lot of people with a shared experience. It's weird that it comes up because I've just tried to be a good person, and I think my background opens my eyes a little bit. I don't have any real experience with racism because I think you identify me as something close to, and then he cuts off and says, I don't know. I know my mom experienced it when she married my dad. I know my dad experienced it. That's in my family. But I guess that makes me a human being that can identify with the other pe- with other people's problems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That is. I'd rather chew on glass than listen. To that. <laughs> oh my God, Lauren, you took the words right that out of my mouth. That is a wild bro. statement, ladies and gentlemen, for a number of reasons. What the let's, hell? Let's let's start. Let's start with the uh, I identify as a human being, and my dad is black. Oh my God, that is that is a whole. There's there's whole galaxies of 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 just baggage going on up in there. Uh, I don't understand why your dad's also not a human being. Why he gets to be black, but you don't. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how that comes about. Uh, I also think it's hilarious that he points to his mom's experience with racism, but he's not, he's not able to, to point to his own, uh, for our audience at home. Mike McDaniel is what, uh, is what can, what is called in academic circles and, you know, folks who know about this stuff. Uh, he is definitely white passing. Uh, he, his skin is extremely light. He wears his, uh, hair in sort of uh, a manner that makes him look appear, uh, to be, you know, he presents as a white guy, kind of, uh, it, you know, and he he passes. And 
I'm sitting here, uh, you know, my dad's black and my mom's white, uh, but I identify as black and the people who know me know that. Uh, and this, like, it, it, it's, there's just whole worlds of embarrassing, cringy shit in him saying, uh, particularly the phrase, I identify as a human being and my dad is black, sort of gives the lie to like where this man stands. And I just want to like spell out for our listeners at home why this is so terrible. You just know based on what Brian Flores, or sorry, not Brian Flores, uh, Brian Flores is doing the right thing. Uh, what Mike, based on what Mike McDaniel just said, the situation here is that Mike McDaniel has been passing as a white man his entire life uh, to the to the to the extent that he's high on his own supply at this point, right? He, he's he's drinking his own Kool Aid. Uh, my man is is down bad, and he uh, he gets this he gets hired, you know, after doing his his time, you know, paying his dues in the NFL and, and working his way up the ladder in the good old boys club, uh, and uh, you know. The NFL basically was just sitting there with the Brian Flores lawsuit sitting right in their laps and just decided, oh, oh, hold on, hold on. He's black. And Mike Flo- and, and Mike McDaniel sat there and went, who, me? I am? What? <laughs> this man had never had to think about this his entire life. He had fooled himself into believing he's white, and now all of a sudden he's got to reckon with the fact uh, that he is, even though he thinks of himself as a human being, his dad is black. <laughs> Uh, and now he's thrust into this awkward position Boy. of being diversity ambassador, un- unwilling diversity ambassador for the NFL. Uh, and he just went out there and showed his whole ass. Uh, so congratulations, Mike McDaniel. Not only are you a huge dork, but you're also a huge clown. Uh, I am, I, I hate to say this, but I'm rooting for your failure. I, I don't, I don't feel ashamed saying that at all. As a Jets fan, I hope you feel. Wow, AJ, you just want to see another black NFL coach fire? <laughs> yeah, man, crab, crabs in a bucket or whatever they call it. Oh my goodness, just just crabs <laughs> in a bucket. <laughs> hey guys, I don't know if you knew this or not. When it, when he's coaching in the Super Bowl next year, they'll tell you that he he, he was a Washington Commanders offensive assistant <laughs> from 2011, 2012, and our receivers coach in 2013. You're lying. So be ready ah. for that news to break when oh, he's coaching man. in the Super Bowl here in a few years. So excited to hear all. You're that. absolutely lying. No, I'm dead serious. He was under Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan took him to oh Atlanta, and Kyle Shanahan took him to the 49ers, and that's how he worked his way up to uh, offensive coordinator under the 49ers with Kyle. He's one of Kyle's guys. <laughs> Gross. Disgusting. That whole situation is just so cringe, bro. Like it's bro, I, my my molars are the size of pebbles. I can't I can't chew leafy greens at this point. I I have to have meat. <laughs> Gotta use my canines. Ah. That shit don't make no damn sense, fam. Like, what was he thinking? I don't uh, think he's I don't think he's given a thought about it his entire life. He does not care. He's he thinks he convinced himself he's white. That's what he thinks. Yeah, that's it, a dude that's literally never had to think he out about here, it. Well, he's got a uh what's he also interesting? He has a history degree from Yale. Yeah, well. Oh wow. <laughs> Jesus. Well, not, which history was he studying? Clearly not the United Clearly States. Clearly we know, AJ. <laughs> Clearly. Man, out here, Kuna for free. <laughs> Mike McDaniel Ruckus. No relation. He's out here sucking and jiving, bro. Absurd. And I'm sure, I'm sure the moment the players saw that press conference Oof. after having having someone like Brian Flores is their head coach for three years, you know those guys are like, what Oof. the fuck? Oof. Like, 
Could you imagine everybody in the locker room being like, did you know the guy was black? <laughs> no. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, no. I can, I can see the reports coming out now in a year where, where players are going to be complaining about the head coach, and then one guy is going to just be like, hey, look, man, at one point he got mad at us because we, we weren't playing or taking his ass seriously, and then he said, I'm black like y'all, and he dropped the oh, N-word, no. and we damn near whooped oh, his ass. No. Oh, no. God. He seems he seems too socially awkward to like even go that route, right? He seems so like just because of the way he even answered that question, I was kind of thinking maybe he was like caught off guard, right? Like, oh, I'm gonna talk about like they're gonna ask me questions about the dolphins, and then they're like, Are you a black man? He was like, uh <laughs> but like it's just like you know, but I just seem even after watching the cringe video where he talked to Tua, it's just more and more, maybe he's just not good socially but he landed this he landed this dolphins job but then again who wants to coach for a g owner tell you to lose games so i don't know man it's just like that initial video i saw of him talking to tua is like hey man my job here is to like make you the best the best uh the best quarterback you can be i'm I'm just here to coach you that's all i'm here i'm like dude shut the fuck up like we know why you're here, my guy. Do you guys do you guys remember in Scary Movie that one actor who was like in the wheelchair and had like the really bad comb over? Mm. That's what Mike McDaniel oh, looks no. like. <laughs> he looks like that guy. That 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 one character. Mike well, McDaniel I... looks like the kid that you stuffed in the locker room, <laughs> like in the locker. Not because not because you're trying to be a bully, but because he's so annoying and would never shut up. That was the only way to get him to leave you alone. Well, I told you guys this. I saw a photo. It was like San Francisco's uh, offensive coordinator. They showed a photo of him. I was like, hey, that's a joke. That's not an offensive coordinator. Like, that, that guy's hurt. not an NFL coach. Not a dude that, like, I could snap in half with a toothpick. And then uh, later on, it was like, no, I looked, I looked it up. I was like, no. Al has really their offensive coordinator. Like I couldn't believe, oh I God. I just couldn't believe it. Yeah. He just doesn't look like he fits. Mike McDaniel looked like Baxter Stockman. <laughs> <laughs> Mike McDaniel's is what happens when you take a stock white guy picture and try to Photoshop Mark Anthony on top of it. <laughs> oh no, bro! You got the exact right tone of bronze for his skin. I'm saying, bro. Hey, but I mean, don't get me wrong. If I was a, if I was in his shoes, I'd sign a head coaching contract too. Because what you suck, you sign a five year contract, you suck for two years, get fired. You're getting paid for three more years, hey, baby. Man. It's all guaranteed. I'm always facts. So, I'm always, he's about to. I'm always happy to see these owners waste their money. I'm, I'm not hating on them for getting his, getting he's his about bread to up. That yeah, bag. Let him get that bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just know that I'm not, we're gonna I'm... roast you literally every single second of the day because you look like a caveman. Uh, with... <laughs> No, it looks like the caveman they wouldn't send out hunting that didn't tend to get berries with the, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> my man's, my man's out here a hunter-gatherer coach. Oh my God, fam. <laughs> well, AJ, I can I quite honestly say I, I, I'm happy, happy to see another African-American head coach get hired by the NFL and succeed, hopefully Yeah, succeed. I'm the real racist so, here for pointing yeah, this out. <laughs> How dare you, AJ? Shame, shame on both of us. A pox, a pox, on, my, a pox on my houses. Right. All right, guys. Uh, I think I think on that note, I I got really nothing left here unless you guys want to sit here and like roast Mike McDaniel's and Eli Apple for oh, the next twenty five minutes, which sounds amazing in and of itself. But yeah, no, I I, I think uh, I'm good. Uh, Mike McDaniel's a clown. 
Eli Apple, uh, normally I don't enjoy the schadenfreude when players are hating on other players, but when it's this many, it you kind of it feels like you kind of deserve it, bro. I mean, it, it just united yeah. us as a country. We could all stand on it. Kind of, you know, we all kind of feels like that time when Pokemon Go was a thing. We we're all doing oh, it. You know, yeah, it's yeah. Like oh, yeah. Oh, like my God. We're like, we're all on the same yeah. side here. Like, ha, I'm Eli, you the, suck. the entire internet is just united in its, in its schadenfreude. Just like, just like, <laughs> you, you, yep. this guy sucks. You said it, AJ. What you don't want to be the you don't want to be the main character on Twitter, and he was the main yep. character. He yep. was the main. Twitter character. has one goal, and it's never to be that that guy. And Eli Apple became that guy for that for that just for that night. Oh, the, I feel like this is an appropriate <laughs> note to end on because you know we have the racial division of of Mike McDaniel, uh, a man of two tone heritage, heritage, if you will, uh, a veritable uh, zebra with not enough black stripes, apparently. Uh, <laughs> Just an Oreo that was also vanilla somehow. Uh, and then on the other hand, we have the the forces of a schadenfreude that just unite us in hating on uh, Eli Apple. Apple, uh, of course, uh, being that one fruit that we all we, we all know and love, the red, the red delicious. Uh, red being the color that uh, Eli Apple turned after Cooper Cup also burned him. <laughs> Oh man. Well, on that note, don't what things we've learned. Don't try to line up one on one on Cooper Cup. Mm-hmm. Don't be the main character on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And uh we all hate Mike McDaniel and Eli Apple. Yes, we do. <laughs> and on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we thank you very much for coming to this post Super Bowl episode of the Go Deep Podcast. And as always, Go Deep. Go Deep. Go Deep. Go deep.